Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap. We have a awesome show today. We have the first of the Building Murph's Draft Manifesto talking quarterbacks that fit for the Green Bay Packers. Quarterbacks we do not want to see in the NFC. It's all there. It's in 20 minutes. It is great. It is the first of eight that we are going to be doing. I am very excited for you guys to listen to this. The audio is going to be just a little bit different, so you might have to turn things up. You might have to turn things down. I'm not quite sure what volume you're operating on. I'm guessing when you're listening to my loud voice, you have me turned down. So turn me up just a little bit. And we are not going to waste any time here. We're going to get right into Murph. We're going to go right into the quarterbacks. I'm fired up for this. Hope you guys enjoy it. We'll see you on the other side to talk a little Kevin King as well as the Milwaukee Brewer offense. All right, the building of a draft board with Murph. Every year on stonetapwi.com, we have the Murph's big board, and it is wildly popular. And so we thought, let's blow this out a little bit, and let's talk about the different positions that might fit for the Packers, as well as just the entire the entire landscape. Because what, what fun is only doing about four or five positions? So I'm here with Nolan Murphy draft expert, draft guru, however you want to call him. Uh, and he's joining us, and we're excited to talk about the board. Draft czar. I draft czar, I like that. I like that. We can do draft czar. And I look at this as, you know, my draft manifesto. This yeah. is kind of peeling the, you know, peeling the curtain back, going behind the scenes for those BTS people out there, <laughs> and showing people how I get to the famous article that we launch every year for 10 plus years on draft day. This is... Showing you how I get from point A to point B. I've watched a lot of the Senior Bowl. It's typically what I do after the Packers get eliminated to avoid other NFL coverage. And I also have a torn ACL. So we are going to probably, <laughs> you know, that's broken here first uh, on Snowtap WI. But you're probably going to have the most in-tune, invested Nolan Murphy that you've seen since I was 17 in the NFL draft. That also is the last time I was really severely hurt with a broken pelvis. Coincidentally, uh, we are back here again. So there we go. Water finds its level, right? Yeah. And uh, we're gonna start with quarterbacks. How this is gonna work is we're gonna talk about like basically the guys that we'd want on the Packer roster. Might be a top five, might not be. I personally don't really like this quarterback class. I'm putting on a brave face talking about him. And then as for the top guys, you're like obviously the Packers aren't drafting Trey Lance, right? And most, well, most, pre- you know, uh, we're not going to go through the first round yeah, and say, like, no. God, I'd love Jamar Chase because no. that's never going to happen. Right. But we're going to talk about, you know, guys who end up on the NFC North, guys we just do not want to see in our division, guys that we don't want to see as, like, a rival playing for, like, a Seahawks or a 49ers. Or a Lions and things yeah. like that. And that's how we're going to touch on the top guys. We're going to try to keep these episodes to 20 minutes and under – so you can consume them fastly, and also in the next month and a half leading up to the NFL Draft, which is actually also the same weekend as the Kentucky Derby, which is awesome, but also a bummer when you have those sports holidays overlap. Yeah, that is that is a bummer. It is the last day of the, the draft, though. I don't know. The third day, I'm not as dialed in. I feel like Thursday has kind of become an event. Like, you drink, you go out. Like, it's a fun day to, like, kind of be with your buddies. Even that Friday can be fun. But yeah, it is. That Saturday, I think you can you can – parlay it off to the derby and be okay derby's also at five o'clock that's true so, so it's a little later you're and calling in your seventh round picks and your right. undrafted free agents that's the time i like the most 
because that's where the Packers have had the most success over oh, the yeah. years. But Josh Tremont, yeah, Sam Shields, t- t- Alan Lazard, Rob yeah. Tanyan, you know, those guys were, you know, yeah. acquired later uh, in the yeah, later in the process, but still you know they had zeroed in them as undrafted free agents. So we're gonna have some fun with this. Yep. People always love Chuck and I together. We might even get Mitch on an episode. We know he loves <laughs> talking about the NFL and would much rather probably talk about the MLB draft, which no one cares about. Right. So Yeah, and who knows, maybe this becomes an NBA draft too. If with how your ACL's going, uh, we might have to just bring it into the NBA. We know there are some strong Cape Cunningham takes that you do have, and you know I don't know if they're for public consumption just yet. They're still getting ironed out, though. right? They're definitely not positive. So, <laughs> but let's start with the quarterbacks. Um, why don't you go through some of the names, the guys you like, and I'll I'll do the same. So I think a lot of people that you know follow me for Packer stuff know that I basically drank the Kool Aid and have bought into Jordan Love because having a three quarterbacks in forty years is very attractive to me. Is you know, we all look down 94 and look at the Bears, who have Andy Dalton now, and it's haven't sick. had a quarterback in our entire lifetime, which nope. we're very fortunate about. But if I could pick a quarterback this year in day two, which to follow the Ron Wolf, you know, kind of M.O., you, right. you should draft a quarterback every year. That doesn't have to be the first round, but it sh- you should select a quarterback every year because it is the most important position in professional sports. You never can have enough, and you never want to have to go to Seneca Wallace when you have an injury, as we yeah, saw a couple years absolutely. ago. Absolutely. So I would go Kellen Mond. I love that dude from AM. He played a ton in college football, did well in the SEC, has similarities to Dak Prescott in terms of putting up big numbers against tough competition. He has a great arm. They just never could put it all together at AM, and he's getting knocked a lot because you look at this quarterback class and he had a lot of success. Now he never went to the college football playoff. But, I mean, the body of work versus someone like him against Kyle Trask, I, I don't see how you cannot go Kellen. And, and you have a good system, too, right? Jimbo, say what you want about Jameis, right? And Jameis has had some issues and with you know his turnovers. But Jameis is a guy that Sean Payton's attracted to. Sean Payton brought back, wants Jameis to stay. Jameis started in the Jimbo system. And it worked out. And it worked out. He was a starter right out the box. So, I... I like Kalamon a little bit more that you've sold it. He was number four on my list um, just from a guy where I didn't know if the Packers would be ready to draft a quarterback like Mond, where he'll be picked. But, yeah, I think there is some attractiveness and maybe some buy low potential. So the number two quarterback in an ideal world that the Packers could pick, I actually just mentioned, Kyle Trask. I see a lot of Ryan Tannehill in him, yeah. not as athletic. One-year wonder, which is always scary, but that's why you probably don't pick him day one. No. We've seen so many horror stories over the years of day one guys like, you know, Jay Crocker, Christian Ponder, Mitch Trubisky. And when I say day one guys, guys that didn't have a lot of starts in college. Florida doesn't really have that much talent. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about that in a few episodes of wide receiver, and I don't like Tony that much at all. Yeah, I don't see it. Yeah. But Kyle Trask looked really good at times in the SEC, and I think he could almost be like a Jacob Eason, who the Colts drafted a few years ago and I really liked. Big arm and smart guy, can know how to get through adversity. Do I think the Packers are going to take either him or Mond? Highly unlikely. It would right. get tons of criticism. But yeah. we've seen with the re-signing of Aaron Jones is the Packers really don't care about criticism. If they like a guy, they're going to pick yeah. A.J. Dillon and then re-sign Aaron Jones. So it, yeah. the, Packers, the Packers, the haters don't bother. They have hater shades on. They don't care. They 
They think they have a Super Bowl roster. I probably agree with them. I think the take that was out there last last week was David Bakhtiari is healthy. They go to the Super Bowl. And I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. And so they're like, well, let's run it back. And if it means maybe trading Jordan Love for a talented player and then you basically reset by drafting a Mond or a Trask in the second day, all right, let's go. Let's, let's reset this sort of counter and do it again. Now, if they go into day three, how do you feel about a guy like Ian Book Sam Allinger, sort of the Ian Book, obviously undersized, but a winner guy. He just he screams backup quarterback. He he screams Chase Daniels to me. I like Ian Book a lot. I thought he performed well at Notre Dame at times. He is your typical bro Notre Dame quarterback that oh, yeah. we've all been looking for for years. Probably the most decorated Notre Dame quarterback since Brady Quinn. I would yeah. say from an accomplishment standpoint, there were a few others in there that sprinkled in and had success. Ian Book is a ten year at least backup quarterback that can be put into a position from time to time like a Ryan Fitzpatrick like an Andy Dalton who started probably too long yeah. in the NFL and you brought up another name um, Sam Ellinger I mean is Texas back they have never officially no. been back and no many times all time backfire with the word back after the Sugar Bowl win uh, after 2019 so Sam Ellinger who is he Chuck he... like who like where do you flight him in in today's NFL. Because uh, so he, he has some dual threat ability, but he also hasn't been able to stay healthy. And he has this, he ha, he, but he also can kind of carry a team. You can see that sort of leadership mentality that you want. Um, Poor man's Drew Brees? Like, yeah, well, that's what I was thinking for Ian Book, because Ian Book's short. And I mean, maybe that's, I, I'm disrespecting our short kings here, but um, Allinger, yeah, maybe... Little Tannehill, uh, a bit of that. I, that's to me what I would say. I think again, another guy that's probably a backup, and that at the end of the day, I don't know if he takes that next step. Um, I think everyone kept waiting for Allinger to sort of make that next step, and it just never happened for him. Um, the other guy we haven't mentioned is Jamie Newman, who I know you're kind of out on, um, and that's the first one of which we'll talk about a lot of of these COVID guys who did not who opted out. What what is their draft stock going to look like? Are they going to fall? Like if Jamie Newman falls to the fifth round, I feel like you got it. Well, he might have been a first round pick if he would have played at Georgia, which is the crazy thing. Yeah. And Jamie Newman is a dual threat dude that came from Wake, had a lot of buzz about him, never could stay healthy at Wake. Wake's had so many quarterbacks dating back to Tyler Cameron. Yeah. I mean, they are (laughs) a quarterback uh, cemetery, to say the least. I don't mind Jamie Newman, but I really do think if the Packers are going to take a quarterback, they are going to pick one in the sixth or seventh round. I don't yeah. think they can really allocate assets right now to, you know, a fifth round pick. But then also, you have to remember, we picked Matt Flynn and Brian Brown when we had Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> I would not rule out the quarterback position at all this year because it's so important. Anything right. to add, do you think, of guys that we kind of maybe missed or that you would like to highlight? Like, no. I look at a KJ Costello, no, I just don't see it. No. I don't like KJ Costello. I really don't like Peyton Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey at Northwestern never the, really the, showed anything. The only thing you could maybe sell yourself on Peyton Ramsey because he's good size is that he just played in a shit system and wasn't, you know, didn't have necessarily that system you liked. Davis Mills is another guy who has great size, again, but played in a system that really wasn't quarterback-focused. Also had a ton of injuries, had a lot of knee problems. That's a big risk, but again, another buy low potential guy. So one last guy, and then we'll get to the quarterbacks we don't want in the NFC North or on big-time rivals like the 49ers and Seahawks. This is a seventh-round undrafted free agent, uh, Dustin Crum from Penn State. 
little Maction in there. He had huge numbers, uh, but they only played four games last year. Yeah, that's a really small sample size. But, yeah, they lit it up. Take, I mean, yeah, take a flyer on him, put him on the practice squad. That's where he will live and see what he materializes into. See, I mean, Tim Boyle just got signed to be whatever the Lions are going to do from a future. You know, he'll be Jared Goff's backup because they released Chase Daniels. But we developed Tim Boyle for, I think, three years. Right. And he was one of those guys that had more interceptions and touchdowns at Eastern Kentucky. Well, let's see what Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's the whole point of, like, getting these quarterbacks in, right? Is and like, Getty can do. You, yeah, if you can get to that level of, like, getting a guy at a seventh rounder and undrafted and building him up to either, A, get him paid – but B, to maybe flip him at some point if he looks great in preseason and say, all right, can we get a pick for him? Can we, can we bring this in? And I, I think you're spot on. I mean, they, they've definitely made that attempt with like a guy like Manny Wilkins. Uh, yep, from Steve, Arizona State. Steven Montez from Colorado. Um, so they've had, they've had guys come through. And I think undrafted free agents probably would come to the Packers just for the fact of, I get to hang out with Aaron Rodgers. And learn from a yeah. top five of all-time yeah. quarterbacks. That's no-brainer. Done are the days of having Seneca Wallace. We are going to go back to the days of having quarterback rooms with Kurt Warner and Ty Detmer and Mark Brunel and Aaron Brooks. That is the, the model that Goody lives off of. He is a Ted Thompson and Ron Wolf guy. And it's something Ted just got away from for some reason. Maybe they, they had to let Matt Flynn go. He got paid, but... Matt Flynn was someone you could always know, you could plug and play, and he wasn't going to lose you a game. If you're that talented like the Packers, you have major Super Bowl aspirations, you need someone. Your season is probably going to be over if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, but say he dislocates his non-throwing shoulder, he's out for four games, you need to go two and two. Yeah, you need someone to be able to steady the tide. Look at the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, Chad Henney, he figured it out. That was a huge reason the Chiefs were able to get back to the Super Bowl. And even look at the Buccaneers. They had Blaine Gabbard and right. Ryan Griffin. They were ready yeah. in case... In case Brady, yeah, old man Brady showed up. When, so Yeah, when you put the chips in, you got to make sure you can just survive for a couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And to move to now the guys we don't want to see in the NFC North or the NFC rivals, Justin Fields, I think, is at the top of my list. I just feel like he's he could end up being the most talented guy besides Trevor Lawrence. I would 100% agree. I do not get the knock on Justin Fields. He looks like a more athletic Big Ben. Yeah. He has a cannon. It just of feels arm. like we're doing the whole Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes thing all over again. Yeah, with just with Zach Wilson. And I know this seems like a no-brainer quarterback class, but you have to remember every year this gets screwed up. Mm-hmm. You know, Russell Wilson was not a day one draft pick. Aaron Rodgers fell to the late twenties. Drew Brees was a second round draft pick. You just have to realize that this is not an exact science. We'll see about Baker. What what up? You know, we'll see about Baker, like number one overall. Yeah. His legacy is not ironed out yet. No. But I love Justin Fields. He's a guy that I would hate to land in Detroit. Yeah, if Mac Jones wants the Bears, would that scare you? Um, no, because it's the Bears. <laughs> but I do like Mac Jones. Mac yeah. Jones a ton. Yeah. I know Alabama quarterbacks have not been good historically because they play on an All Star team, right? With position players, but Mac Jones put up Joe Burrow numbers. He's smart. He is going to the Patriots, I feel like. Dude, is that yeah. a done oh, deal? I, I think that is such a done deal. Now with all the guys they've signed and all these talents, this free agents that they've brought in, I don't know if they're going to go after a positional player. Like, If we were doing this for the Patriots board, I think we would be talking about Mac Jones as like the number one option. And if Saban if Saban signs off on Mac Jones, 
he's going to the Patriots. That's that's what it'll be because that's how it'll work. And that's because they communicate. Yeah, Belichick, yeah. And, Belichick Saban. and Saban are so close. Trey Lance, I have not seen enough of. No one has. Yeah. Played one game in a weird COVID year. I would be fine with him going there. Yeah. There's just not enough known about him. He's a much better athlete than Carson Wentz. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think that Carson Wentz is like kind of on and off, good, bad, as would affect Trey Lance's draft stock? It shouldn't, but that you know the draft gets weird like that, where people compare guys for just because they played at the same college. Yeah, I think more just because he's from a small school and a small sample size. I just think Carson Wentz is a bad decision maker. Yeah. He, he makes bad decisions with the ball. He makes bad decisions when running the ball. That's how he got hurt in his MVP yep. season because he thought he was Steve McNair and could run over dudes and blew his ACL out yeah. in the Coliseum against the Rams on a touchdown run. So I hope that doesn't affect Trey Lance. I just would not be willing to draft him in the top 10 unless I was a GM that had a lot of leash. Because if you're a GM that needs to save his job, I would not attach my name to Trey no, Lance. I don't think so. Uh, lastly, I think we can all be happy that Trevor Lawrence is going to be in the NFC. Right? Yes, that's a gift. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence looks like he is the most for sure thing since Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. I mean, he could have gone first overall a year ago. He could yeah. have gone first overall maybe after his freshman year. And it'll be fun when we have to play Trevor Lawrence once every four years. Right. Yeah, it'll be primetime game. Jacksonville, Green Bay, if Rodgers is still there. Or even if Jordan Loves good. Yeah, you know, right. You never exactly. know. Absolutely. I think that does it, man. Well, we got to do the elephant in the room, Zach oh. Wilson. Oh, Zach Wilson. Okay, Zach Wilson. We both hate. Um, no one. Murph and I have been on the Zach Wilson hell really since it was even before the Boca Bowl when you went down there and watched BYU. I was already telling you I don't get it. Like I saw him in the in the top five, and I was like, I don't understand this. It just really reeks of Trubisky. And then you you watched him, and I'll let you go from from there. Yeah, he played more than Trubisky. He's a hothead, which is fine at the end of the day. He's a confident dude, which is is not a quarterback trait I you know, run away from at all. You need confidence to play quarterback. I think that's something that also hurts uh, a Carson Wentz. Right. He doesn't have a lot of moxie and confidence. My thing with Zach Wilson is his arm's getting compared to Patrick Mahomes, which is a once in 100 years of the NFL arm. Yep. He's not the athlete. He's not the size of Patrick Mahomes. He didn't play against top-tier competition and also, when I was at the Boca Bowl, he was a quarterback I didn't notice that much. They ran two trick plays on their first series. Why are you running trick plays if you have a top five quarterback? Let him throw right. the ball. Don't put him in this quirky offense. Now, I know that's college football yeah. in a nutshell, but I see a lot of – he's better than Trubisky, but who knows how he knows how to read defenses. And, I mean, if I was the Jets, I don't know how you take Zach Wilson over Justin Fields – and if he's a lion, I'm gonna laugh my ass off. I if I were if I were the Jets, I would just take Penny Sewell and I basically have beat him and Sewell as my two tackles for the next few years. I ride out Darnold, I draft a Kellen Mond in the third round or second round, just to be sure. And I think that's how I would do it. I I would not I agree. I would not attach my name to Zach Wilson. I also like this is very old school boomer take, but he wasn't a captain. And that, that should, is a boomer take. I know, but like that's that like should, a Mike Mayhawk take. Right, right, right. But that doesn't matter for any other position except for quarterback. Connor Cook was another example, and he was a disaster. Connor Cook, not a captain. Everyone said he was a prick. Chad Kelly probably wasn't a captain. Ah, swag. Swag Kelly. But Rosillo always brings this up. 
even if he wasn't a captain in college, every NFL quarterback is either a designated season-long captain right. or they rotate through. The quarterback's yeah, yeah. going to be the captain. So that's something, maybe it's just because he didn't believe in the Mormon beliefs. I mean, if you look back at Zach Wilson's history of how he got to BYU, he actually wanted to go to Utah. Very interesting family. He is uh, built into like that Utah way of life. Which... Oh, okay, so if you've watched like Real Housewives <laughs> of Salt Lake City with your lady, you kind of get it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Have you watched that show? Right? Yes, I've had it oh. on in the background. How how can Utah be like let one of their coaches like be on that show? Yeah, it's it's unreal <laughs> the amount of people from California that decide that Utah is now a way of life. They're predicting, you know, as we wrap here, the first episode of. Building Murph's draft board, you know, Nolan Murphy's draft manifesto for 2021. It looks like there'll be five quarterbacks maybe taken in the top 15, top 20. I think if they're picked in the top 15, that's an NFL record. Yeah. That seems like Christian Ponder, Jake Locker here. Yeah. Blaine Gabbert, I think, yeah. also was in there. Where he was. Not a lot of these guys pan out. I think we have one done deal in Trevor Lawrence. We'll see about Justin Fields. And Mac Jones and the rest of them that we listed. So. I will. I will say this as my final thought: if that is the tr- if that happens and we get five and fifteen, that makes everybody else move down, and that makes things get really good and really interesting for the Packers. Yeah, that's great for when we pick at twenty nine. So when right. you hear us next, we will be talking about running backs. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Snowtap Love WI. It. Thanks, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you guys about running backs in a little bit. All right. One of eight is in the books. Quarterbacks is done. We are going to go to running backs tomorrow. And we'll have wide receivers on the following Wednesday. So that's kind of the schedule going forward. So you guys can kind of keep up with that. If you are big draft people, if you are big Murph people, I know he has a lot of supporters. It was tough to do a podcast like that, as well as Johnny Manziel debuting his podcast on the same day with Mike Stutt. The, the crossover and audience is absurd there, but we got it done. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Hopefully we'll outperform Johnny Football. And you guys, Doug, the quarterback segment, feedback, always welcome. We always welcome it. We will always try to get better, deliver the best experience for you. But enough about that. Enough sucking Murph's dick. Let's talk about Kevin King. Kevin King signs back with the Packers. I had a sneaking suspicion that this is what was going to happen. After Kyle Fuller signed with the Denver Broncos, I kind and Xavier Rhodes already back with the Indianapolis Colts, I thought about it and was like, you know what? They're going to bring back Kevin King. They're going to do it, and they're going to make everybody unhappy. There are not a lot of people that are happy about Kevin King today. And I got to be honest, originally I was going to kind of do like a best case, worst case scenario. I still might do it for the blog. But I will say that as someone who is a spin zone guy, someone who is a pack team first dude, which I, I always will be. And I always will hope that Kevin King does well. I'll hope that Kevin King figures it out. There's really no way to look at Kevin King and say this guy has been really successful at his job he's been a below average player for the last four years he's injury prone now six million dollars isn't much it's a one-year deal it's a prove it deal Kevin King got that last year and I think I even said at some point in the season last year you go through the tweets I said you know what we might be able to get Kevin King back on a one-year flyer 
because this was last year was supposed to be this big contract year for King, and it just never happened. He really struggled, you know, obviously in that last game, which is etched inside everybody's brain. I think everybody looks at that and says, why would we want Kevin King back? It's similar to like Nick Anderson, right? Nick Anderson famously missed a bunch of free throws in a playoff game for Houston against Houston as an Orlando Magic member. And I think after that, Nick Anderson was kind of persona non grata. Same sort of shit with Kevin King. I think Kevin King has a lot of haters. He knows he has a lot of haters. And it's going to be up to Kevin King whether he wants to prove those haters wrong. I don't know if I see it right now. I don't I don't get this right now from the Packers because it's not it's it's not that I don't get it. I shouldn't say that. I just it's hard to look at this and say, all right, did you guys just run out of options? Did you not like the prices of guys? I mean, Dory Jackson got way too much money. Is there no available trade piece? Is Stephon Gilmore, Marshawn Lattimore, is that off the table? Is that pipe dream officially broken? Because if it is, just send me a note. I'd rather know, I'd rather have a good understanding that we are not going to be bringing in a guy like Lattimore or Gilmore and just crash my dreams right now. It's probably likely now that Kevin King has been signed. And now Green Bay will likely draft a rookie. I think the corners, and I know we just talked about the quarterbacks, and we're going to talk about secondary down the road here, probably one of our last ones. And I think what we'll end up learning as we do this manifesto stuff is that cornerbacks could be the number one priority for the Packers. But now in a lot of ways, and maybe this is a topic for another show, maybe actually this could be even good for tomorrow after well, or for next week is like, is corner the new wide receiver? Like is corner become the wide receiver of this year where it's like, all right, now we have to draft a cornerback. And that when this is now what the casual fan has, has deemed the, the most important thing that they're putting their hands on the table and they're just crashing them down like corner, corner, corner. Like, that's how I feel like some of these fans are. It's like, they're like Veruca Salt and fucking Willy Wonka. They're like, I want a corner and I want it now. And that's how people were with wide receivers. And maybe I shouldn't go so far down this rabbit hole because I, fuck it. Why not? Whatever. It, it, so it's like, is this what we're going to lead to? Is this what it's going to be become? Is that we're going to suddenly believe that this corner is going to be so valuable? And look. I am not saying don't draft a cornerback. I'm really not. I, I want to get that 100% clear. But again, and I, I said this about Jordan Love in a rant. You'll hear next Wednesday. You do not know what your draft board is going to look like. Brian Gunacuz is going to have guys on his draft board that say, if this guy's here at 29, we're going to take him. And more guys will fall off than guys that will be available. And so when 29 rolls around, or if Green Bay's getting down to their last one or two guys, and maybe it's a Brandon Ayuk situation, and Brian Gunacus still being a young GM, learns from his mistakes from Ayuk and says, we're not getting Ayuk again, and we're trading up, and we're making sure that we get Greg Newsom, okay? Or we get Davion Nixon, who I love, who you guys will hear about. I'm so in on him, but you guys, I think everyone would hate the Packers drafted an interior lineman, or if they drafted an edge, I don't know. Gregory Rousseau is French for Sean Gary. Uh, but anyways, um, the fact of the matter is, is like they are going to have a plan in place and we'll see what it looks like. And yeah, 
maybe that backup plan is not what fans want. And fans are going to be like, well, why the fuck did we draft Travis Etienne? Well, could he might be the last player that's on their board for the first round. You guys got to understand this. And if they decide to move back, they decide to move back. And I, and I might not hate that idea if people get real frisky with quarterbacks. If quarterbacks are like drafted at higher value and people then could maybe get into that second round or first round late and get a guy like Kyle Trask and say the Packers can get two or three picks out of that, I'm all in on that idea. So back to Kevin King, though, because I I know I sort of went on a tangent here, but I I think it was an important tangent to understand because it makes all the difference. We know now the draft narrative. The draft narrative is now draft a cornerback. And it is the new wide receiver. We are all going to want a cornerback, and who knows if we'll get one. We should. There should be guys available but you never know. It's The draft is an unpredictable beast. None of us can ever actually figure this out. Kevin King is just, I hope, here's my hope for Kevin King. I am more of a glass half full guy. It's just my, my personality. I'm not excited to see Kevin King back. I worry that as more tape comes out, that people are going to exploit Kevin King. And they pl- the Packers do play a lot of talented quarterbacks next year. I do worry about that. But I also know that competition breeds success sometimes. And so maybe King seeing a rookie come in, lights a fire under his ass. And they tell King straight up, like, hey, it's you and Newsom, we are not giving a starting role. Newsom's going to get a chance to earn it in training camp. You have to beat out Newsom to save your spot. I would absolutely love that because I think that makes Kevin King a better player. That levels up Kevin King. And look, if Kevin King stinks in training camp and he doesn't live up to that potential, trade his ass. I'm sure they'll have undrafted guys. Kadar Hallman showed some things every now and again. Like, they don't just assume that Kevin King is going to be the starter. In a lot of ways, Kevin King is an insurance policy. Kevin King is a backup plan for if the corner they aren't able to get is not there. Because what if it, the board falls like it did last year and Kevin King is nowhere to, or uh, his replacement is nowhere to be found? Guess what's going to happen? They're not going to draft a cornerback. And then it's like, all right, at least we have Kevin King available. That's what I think the Packers are trying to do. All right, let's wrap up the show real quick. Talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. I only want to talk about the Brewers for a little bit. I look. Opening day is almost a week away. We are eight days away from opening day. I know Brewers Reddit has done different jersey numbers for the countdown. Ryan Braun, I would assume, will be today's. Um, definitely excited for this Brewers team. And yet again, they beat up on Dodger pitching. Now I know, Charlie, it's spring training. Don't get yourself too excited. But facts are facts, guys. They lit up Clayton Kershaw last week. They had a little success against Trevor Bauer. Not as much. And then they lit up Walker Buehler. Remember, Walker Buehler was the one who laughed, scoffed at the idea that Justin Turner could go to Milwaukee. Look who's laughing now, you tight-pants fuck. Just absolutely shit-pumped tonight. Looked like a gas can. Did not look like a Cy Young contender. Nine runs given up in five innings. 
He gave up multiple home runs from Christian Yelich. Castanera hit two. Uh, Omar Nevarez went yabo. Really impressive stuff from the Brewers offense, scoring nine runs in the first five innings. They would have to hold on the rest of the way and win nine to six. Some would say six to nine. But yeah, you got to love what this Brewers offense is doing in spring training. They are 12-9 and nine overall, but you're just seeing some good shit out of the likes of Keston Hira. Christian Yelich is batting 444. Omar Nervaez has been raking. He didn't play today, but um, Avisail Garcia has been fantastic. And Andy Haynes had a comment to Sophia Minner during the game. They had the uh, TV broadcast, and Andy Haynes basically said, The Brewers heard the haters. Big day for the haters. Andy Haynes said this. Hitters have been on a mission since the offseason to be ready. He said they're in a good place and where they need to be to close the regular season. All the way in. The Brewers are... Something switched. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the videos. I don't know if Haynes... Just wasn't comfortable to be their coach. I, I Maybe Haynes tried too much and, and they needed to scale it back. Whatever happened last year, I think is a, maybe a little bit fraudulent. And our guy Mitch has said all the time, like throw out 2020. 2020 doesn't matter. By the way, I don't know about you guys. And I don't know if you think this far ahead. But like, I have no idea what to do gambling wise for baseball. Because here's really what I should do. And I'm and I'm such a fucking idiot. I won't do it. So I, I, I want you guys to all laugh at me. Because what I will say what I will say to you right now is I should wait at least two weeks to do anything baseball betting wise. Will I wait two weeks? Absolutely fucking not. I'll be betting next Thursday. Opening day. How can you not? How how can you not? Gotta at least have a little action out there. I promise you. It won't be a lot, at least is what I'm thinking. And then I'll probably make too many bets. Because, but to circle back on it is like 2020, usually I used a lot of last year stats, at least in the first eh, probably month, six weeks. That's kind of my strategy. I don't know if I can apply that strategy this year. I'm going to have to look at last year, the year prior. Like, it's a fucking mess, man. It's a lot of work for your boy. Baseball, baseball gambling research takes for fucking ever annoying but anyways now that i got on that tangent um back to the brewers yes this brewers offense looks really good and i think more and more that this team is the top team in the nl central and i'm not ready to say hey they can contend with the dodgers and padres no it's not what i'm doing i need to see it in real life action and even then it's going to be a little bit different come playoff time so I'm going to have to see it a little bit more from the Brewers continuously throughout the season. But it would be some shit if the, the Brewer pitching staff, which everyone is high on, and the Brewers offense starts actually hitting the baseball. I mean, they could be a 90-95 win team. And they could run away with the NL Central. Because the NL Central is bad. And they could run away and hide. So we'll have to see what happens. I'm very curious to see... Where the Brewers go from here, I think it's going to be a really fun year and cannot wait for opening day. We'll have more baseball stuff kind of littered in 
as sprinkled in would probably be the better way to say it sprinkled in uh, as the week goes on as we head into opening day all right tappers that does it for today we will be back tomorrow another edition of the daily tap we have buck celtics to talk about so we'll probably do that first and then we'll go into the draft manifesto talking running backs and then we'll probably have something at the end i haven't done I've done a ticket story time in a while. I haven't done an Eastside Chronicles that I've been wanting to debut. I haven't done, shit, what's the other one? Chuck's Corner, just bitching. Haven't done one of those. It's busy content time, man. You gotta save those for when it's like June and there's not only NBA playoffs going on. So if the Bucks aren't playing, oh, well, the Brewers, I guess, will also be going on. But, you know, it's it, you gotta save it for those lean, lean months. All right, guys. Take care of yourself. Have a great Wednesday. Back tomorrow. See you. Bye.